The text that I have selected for this morning comes from this evening. It is evening, right? You can tell I've been preaching in regular church for long enough. I'm just so used to saying this morning. The text I have selected for this evening comes from the first chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, if you uh, want to find that. It's Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. I'll continue on to verse 10. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 10. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be always acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Tomorrow's a big day, right? Tomorrow, it's all happening. You've been to the grocery store. You're all stocked up probably got a party to go to. Maybe you've even been thinking about a costume. I'm talking, of course, about Reformation Day. Who are you going as? Martin Luther, John Calvin? Now, all the little boys and girls are going as Luther and Calvin. You want to go a little deeper. You want to go as someone like Hugh Latimer or Ulrich Zwingli. I'm joking, of course. All the Zwingli hats are sold out long ago. Reformation Day, though, is not what is going to choke the New York City subway system with terrifying and at least partially nude drunk people for eight to ten hours tomorrow night. That holiday is Halloween, and Christians have long had issues with Halloween. We're not sure sort of what to make of it, how safe it is, what we can do with it. Is it okay to celebrate it? Maybe if we do, we're celebrating demons and monsters and evil things. If you remember the landmark video for Michael Jackson's thriller in which he portrays both a werewolf and a zombie, he felt obliged to put up a disclaimer at the beginning of the video saying, for anyone who wanted to know, that he didn't want this video to be seen as promoting the occult. He wanted to make sure that was out of the way before he got to the zombie dance. And for the same reason, Many Christians over the years have felt the need to speak out against Harry Potter and SpongeBob SquarePants. I myself have very mixed feelings about Halloween. I love chocolate, but I hate candy. Things like Jolly Ranchers and Gummy Worms and Tootsie Rolls all make my stomach turn. And they get all mixed together in with the chocolate, and chocolate is so wonderfully soft, it absorbs all those disgusting flavors, and it ruins the chocolate that was, until recently, 
Very exciting. You want to know how to get to heaven? Seriously, you want to know how to get to heaven? Eat a couple of fun-sized Kit Kats, and in heaven you shall be. Probably another reason for my nervousness around Halloween is that I'm terrified that I'll get stuck in some strange neighborhood far from my house and have to go to the bathroom. You want to know what hell is like? I'm approximately 10 years old, far from home, being told at house after house that no, I may not use their bathroom. That frantic run home was hell on earth. Now, despite Halloween being potential bladder hell, Halloween, I think, is actually closer to heaven than any other holiday we've got. Consider the theological implications for a moment of Halloween. Halloween is the ultimate equal opportunity holiday. Everyone gets candy. On the surface, it's a picture of the gospel, right? Evil children, dressed up as evil things, get candy. There's no checking of qualifications at the door. In fact, the worse you look, the more evil, the more candy you'll probably get. You come, you receive. It's grace. Christmas, a holiday that ought to be super Christian, on the other hand, is, as we commonly celebrate it, all about the law. Santa Claus has his list. He's checking it twice. You better hope you're on the good list or you're not getting any presents. David Sedaris, an amazing humorist that I cannot, as a pastor, recommend or admit to having read, writes in one of his essays that, again, I have not read, (laughs) wink, wink, that in Holland, if a child isn't good, St. Nicholas and his helpers beat the offending child with a switch. If a child is really bad, they kidnap him and throw him into a sack and take him back to their native Spain, which, of course, is where St. Nicholas is from. That's who I'm named after. Our punishment here in America isn't as bad as the Dutch one, but it's still based on judgment. If you're good, presence. If you're bad, lump of coal. Merry Christmas. So it seems that in their current forms, the church should actually embrace the grace of Halloween candy more quickly than the judgment of Christmas presents. Halloween, as the two holidays are commonly celebrated today, is more Christian than Christmas. If we treat our Christian lives like Christmas with the naughty and the nice list, then you know what? We should all just stay home. In Holland, my life might be worthy of a beating, a kidnapping sack, and a trip to Spain. So might yours be. But here's the thing. We do treat our Christian lives this way. We think of the Lord like Santa Claus, up in heaven with his list, pen poised above it, waiting to see what we do with our lives. Oh, The Smiths pledged 10% of their income. That's pretty good. 11% would be better. Hmm. William volunteered for 40 hours at the local food bank. That's great. But I hear he's planning on going to Disney World twice this year. It sure would be better if he would give one of those weekends up and train some new volunteers. 
We imagine Jesus sitting right there, watching us, judging our every move, and he's not impressed. How could he be impressed with the way that we've been living our lives? Think of that most famous of Christmas stories, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge, as you all well know, is a bad guy, so bad that he won't let his only employee have Christmas Day off to be with his family, and he won't even let him put a single briquette of coal in the office fireplace to get warm. And so on Christmas Eve, Scrooge is visited by the ghost of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, who has been dead for seven years. Marley's ghost is dragging around this giant chain as he visits Scrooge, and he says that the chain was forged by all the evil deeds and selfish acts that he committed during his life. And so when Scrooge questions Marley about this chain, he says, you do not know the weight and length of the strong chain you bear yourself. It was as full and as long as this seven Christmases ago, and you have labored on it since. Ah, it is a ponderous chain. This is what we believe, that we will reap what we sow, that the actions of our daily lives are building on our chains that we're going to carry with us forever. We write books about why everything we do today matters forever. All too often, this has become the syntax of our Christian faith. But it doesn't have to be. Listen to the way that St. Paul writes this introduction to the Ephesians and how he addresses the people he's writing to, and especially listen how different the way he introduces himself is to the way Jacob Marley introduces himself to Scrooge. Here's St. Paul addressing the Ephesians. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. Now you might say, of course St. Paul doesn't address the Ephesians like Marley addresses Scrooge. Scrooge is the villain, and these people sound awesome. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. I've heard of your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you. But are the Ephesians really so wonderful? Listen to the things that St. Paul asks of them later in the letter. Chapter 4, verse 1. I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I beg you. Live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Chapter 4, verse 17. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Chapter 5, verse 3. But immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is fitting among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor silly talk nor levity which are not fitting, but instead let there be thanksgiving. He's writing these things because the Ephesians are having these problems. I beg you 
to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Do you write that to somebody who is living a life worthy? You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Do you write that to somebody who isn't living as the Gentiles do? Let there be no filthiness. Do you write that to someone who's not filthy? The Ephesians are doing these things that are not fitting, says St. Paul, but the Ephesians, spoiler alert, are sinners. But Paul doesn't say, shape up. He doesn't say, you do not know the weight and length of strong chain you bear yourself. It was as full and as long as this seven Christmases ago, and you have labored on it since. Oh, it is a ponderous chain. St. Paul says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. For this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Paul doesn't go all Christmas on them. He doesn't check his naughty and nice list. He treats them like it's Halloween. According to Paul, the Christian life is based on the wonderful free gift of God. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He predestined us for adoption. In him we have redemption. Not only is this a gift, this one-way love of God, it's an incredibly generous one. St. Paul says the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. This is what the Christian life is really like. We approach the throne of God. We look awful. Maybe we even look like something that's been dead for a while, like you'll see tomorrow night. It would be the most accurate costume that we could wear. We have nothing to offer except this terrible appearance, the sin from which we need to be saved. But everyone gets the candy. Everyone. God's grace is a free gift offered lavishly to sinners. The message of A Christmas Carol and too much of today's Christianity is, you're a sinner, better become a saint. The message of the Bible and of Jesus Christ is, you're a sinner, and yet you are a saint. Why? How? Listen again to Paul's words as he opens this letter to the Ephesians. God destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. That he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. How passive is this? God is the actor at every moment He is the gift giver. We are simply the receiver. It's incredible. We are adopted according to his pleasure with his grace that he bestowed on us in Christ. His pleasure, 
his adoption, his grace, he bestowed on us in Christ. We are saints because God has decided to call us saints. He has decided to make us saints. He has taken the initiative in our lives, coming to us in our sinful state and giving us his free gift of righteousness. We have each, like Jacob Marley, forged for ourselves a ponderous chain. But every single link of it is worn by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Merry Halloween.